Hour four. Chris, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Hey, guys. How are you doing? doing? Hi, Mike. Hi, Owen. How are you? We're, Not we're, we're moving, as, as they say, we're going from strength to strength, uh, I believe, as they say. So, and, and Chris, I, I didn't realize this when, uh, when we worked out the time frame, but um, as, as a, you know, a, a, a source of information and news for people, you know, everyone's waiting on, the t- on your tweet to find out who we're playing in the uh, EFL Cup. So I appreciate you joining us despite the live conflict that's going on. Has the draw happened yet? No, I've got the uh, stream side by side with with you guys, just in case. Um, a big. So draw. you're getting an exclusive here live on the Gooders podcast. Uh, you, I mean, you're you're going to find out from Chris. Any, anyone can watch the video, but well, no, 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 no. Just, don't just, be saying that, Chris. We're going to find out from you before the the balls are even drawn. Um, and and the funny thing about this, I mean, it's not funny at all. Actually, uh, we're in the second round for the first time in a while because essentially. Club Premier League clubs enter the second round if they're not in Europe, and that has not been the case for us for a long time. And the second round is still done in a north versus south setup. Is that right? I mean, there's 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 something like twenty four teams in the north and twenty four in the south. Is that? Uh, to be honest, I think you probably know more about the draw than I do. Um, I, 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 I'm just waiting to see who Arsenal are going to get. But look, I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's a sign of, I guess, how full, how far the club have fallen over the past couple of years. The fact that they're in the second round of the Carabao Cup. You know, I remember the third round games over the years with Arsene Wenger, the six nils over Sheffield United, and I six think three Liverpool. Yeah, some big, big results over the years, but. Um, Look, I don't think the, the matches are being streamed either. Um, I don't think any um, broadcaster has the TV rights yet. So I'm not sure there's going to be a big interest, but at least uh, at least we have some interest. Again. Well, they're not in the draw. Oh, jeez, we're going to get copied. <laughs> no, uh, so see when you're saying that, Chris, how do you feel going into this season then overall with, like you say, that sort of downtrodden attitude of, of being in that round of the cup draw? I mean... I think I'm quite an optimistic person and I, I try and keep away from all the, the social media stuff. I mean, there's a lot of negativity on social media at the moment. Mm. I think with the Aaron Ramsdale stuff today, <laughs> there was quite a negative reaction to that. Um, which yeah, I, I, I missed think- all that because I, I was sleeping and then preparing and I, I completely missed all that until you brought it up, Owen, earlier in the podcast. But yeah. That's what, um, Arsenal Twitter being negative? No. Never. You, you've you've gone right back into Twitter, oh, and, and immediately got like that's like saying I'm not going to go swimming for a while, and you go swimming and you dive off the diving board, and there's no water in the pool. I'm back with a vengeance, man. I'm just calling everybody out that yeah, no, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> Chris, somebody we were talking about there um, just before you come on was Fowler and Balligan, and, and you know his potential avenue into the side. Is there is is there from your understanding any? Um, intent from the club to maybe move him on on a loan for the season to gain some experience or are they quite adamant to have him remain with the first team squad this season? I don't think he'll be moved on. I think all the the signs and the talk around the club has been that after signing his long-term contract, he's going to get some kind of opportunities. I think he's going to get a full season of under 23s. I mean, that's kind of what he had last season, but I think he's going to get regular game time there. Some minutes in the cup competitions, um, he's going to be in the squad for Premier League games as well. That's what I would expect. I think you can see the way he's been used in pre-season. Um, hasn't played probably as much as he would have liked, but you know he still has those big forward players ahead of him, doesn't he? Lacazette, of course. We don't really know what's happening with him at the moment. 
I think Orba as well can't, doesn't guarantee you like consistent form, I think. So I think he will get chances. Um, and I think signing that long-term contract, he was kind of promised that he's going to get uh, at least showing a pathway to the first team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it's actually surprising the amount of, uh, we mentioned earlier, how bloated Arsenal's squad is at the best at times, never mind with the lack of European competition this season. And somebody else that was linked to, with, with a potential loaner, even a permanent move, I think I've seen uh, being tipped as well, was Reese Nelson. He's somebody I think that maybe hasn't made the most of, most of his opportunities, but then again, you could argue that he hasn't really been given as many as some other players have been. And he was potentially being moved with, uh, or being tipped with a move to Crystal Palace down to Patrick Vieira. Has that sort of gained any legs or has it just fizzled out? I haven't heard anything on Reese Nelson, to be honest. I think James Benj, I'm not sure if he's appeared yeah, or he's appearing tomorrow, but yeah. He, yeah, he'll be on tomorrow there. afternoon. <laughs> oh, good. Tomorrow afternoon you'll hear uh, from him on Reese Nelson, I'm sure. But he, he's the man in the know with, on Reese Nelson. He knows, uh, I think, some people close to him. And um, from what we've heard, I think Hertha Berlin have been interested. They've expressed an interest again. Um, I feel sorry for Nelson, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he stayed at Arsenal because he didn't want to go out on loan. Um, and then he didn't get any opportunities. He had an injury, of course. Uh, I think it just all backfired on him, his decision to stay at the club. Um, I think he's stalling as well over signing a new contract, which has been offered. So I think there is a pathway for him to get opportunities. Like I don't think um, Nicolas Pepe is going to start every single match next season. I think there's opportunities for him, but I don't... I'm not convinced, or I don't think Mikel Arteta is convinced um, that Nelson is is the right man to um, kind of lead him forward. And I just don't think he has much of a future at Arsenal, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, it's Remember, a- uh, if you're in the chat, you can go to GoonerOpenMic.com to join us live uh, and get a chance to ask a question or make a comment to Chris. Uh, you, can, you can ask him a question. Just don't make the question. Don't just show up on the camera and go, Madison News. <laughs> I mean, you get enough of that on, on, on Twitter. It's like I mean, essentially it's, what I've done for the opening 10 minutes. <laughs> and I want to ask you this, and we're, we're going to ask Charles uh, as well when he comes on, because it, it, you, you are the two that I just see this the most with. So you, you tweet something. It, it, I mean, it doesn't even have to be about Arsenal. It could be like my knee hurts or something like that. You, just, you, know, you tweet something. Charles had a tweet about Monopoly game the other day. Uh, and within 60 seconds, there's 158 two-word replies, of which the second word is always news. The first <laughs> word is, you know, Benzema news, uh, Mavila news. I mean, like, are these actual people, or are or, or these like a bunch of Russian automated bots that are just, or, I mean, or, or are they just people that are really that big of dicks? <laughs> I, I, um, I'm not going to comment on that, but I don't think... Um, <laughs> I don't think... Like, I, I don't check my like Twitter analytics and stuff. I'm not really into that, but I'm sure there's a lot of um, younger people on Twitter, like teenagers and, you know, the kind of FIFA generation. I think there's a big clamour, isn't there, for um, clubs to sign players. Um, transfers are clearly what um, get people excited at the moment. And I think once you tweet a story or an exclusive about a transfer, like Charles has done many times, I think from my opinion, I think you kind of bring it on yourself a little because people are expecting that from you um, regularly, consistently. If you do one, they expect you to do it 
all the time. And I, it's well, that, it's, that's the thing. It's it's the it's the kind of treating you like you're a computer or a machine or or like their servant or something like that. I mean, look, it is your you know the job that you've taken on and and enjoy to 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 be able to inform people and and to provide insight that others can't. But, but this it, it, it's like fifteen year old telling someone who's worked their life to be a journalist, like you know, give me this. It's like it's like going to a, a fine dining establishment and being a complete dick to the waiter. Like like it's just. I mean, I don't know. It, it just it bugs but, me. And, and th- I just, th- this is actually funny because I actually think in many ways I feel horrible for. Uh, uh, <laughs> I feel hor- horrible for uh, the likes of yourself uh, on, on occasion, Chris, because I think sometimes and 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 this is actually a sort of popular consensus on Twitter, uh, the birthplace of all fantastic ideas, um, that that Arsenal are, are are slow in their transfer business. You know that that news trickles out and it takes an absolute age for for deals to get done, deals to be completed. From your perspective, as somebody who covers Arsenal, do you look on at maybe colleagues who who, who cover other clubs and, and and do you do you think that Arsenal as a football club operate their business slower than the majority of the rest of them? I think they do. Yeah, I think I've I've discussed it before that the way Arsenal work, they're completely different to the other top clubs in the uh, in the Premier League, and I think. We know that Tim Lewis has a huge influence now. You know, he's the kind of right arm of the Cronkies at the club. So pretty much everything has to go through him. Um, I'll give you an example of Kieran Tierney's contract renewal recently. Um, that that was done pretty quickly um, because it's a pretty easy deal to do. Like all parties wanted him to stay. And um, basically it had to be approved by the Cronkies or Tim Lewis. So he signed up, signed off on the numbers. Um, and that's how it was approved. So it's the same with transfers. They they kind of weigh up um, how much the player is going to cost, um, whether it's a viable deal. Um, they look at stuff like market value in a few years' time. That's why Ben White was signed for such a big fee. Um, and I think I think there's a, a lot of professional people working at Arsenal, and I know there's a, a lot of criticism of, of people like Edu for going on holiday and stuff like that. But what I would say is that I think Charles has also reported it that Arsenal want to be judged at the end of the transfer window. Um, we still have a few weeks to go before the window is over. Uh, I think Arsenal clearly are going to do business. They want to sign a backup goalkeeper, as we reported today. And I think um, they are working on it. Um, but I know there's kind of a clamour for everything to be done immediately because we're in that kind of social media age. I have been asked to be judged at the end of my diet, um, <laughs> but I have, but I'm not going to say when that's going to be. Um, so yeah, we have uh, we have the draw now, Chris. If you if you've got a if you I mean I know you can multitask, but but if you need a, a couple of minutes, we have some some filler that we can play. If you need to get uh, some tweets out here, just just mention us in the tweets. That's all I ask. Is uh, <laughs> I think I can do it at the same time. But yeah, cheers, guys. Oh, you you've actually you tweeted it before me. Okay, well, I didn't uh, tweet it. I just put it in here because I, I didn't I didn't want to scoop you because that would be rude to ask you on you a podcast so that I could scoop Charles Wheatley. But um, Charles Wheatley is that like two people at once? I'm sorry, Chris Wheatley. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest compliment I've been paid for a long time. <laughs> At least I didn't call you Fabrizio Wheatley. Uh, that's, we're not going we're, we're to go there. Um, where we are going to go is a question. Uh, someone has joined us in the, in, the, in the green room or in the red room, as I call it. Uh, again, anyone can, can come in, uh, gooneropenmic.com. 
we have Dean from uh, from Texas, uh, who's now on with uh, with Chris. Um, How's it going, guys? Dean, who tweeted earlier when he saw the show lineup, he was so excited that there were six straight hours of Mike Hernandez and <laughs> and and not another Arsenal podcast and all these other things, and said nothing about Alan Smith and Chris Wheatley and and Charles Watts and 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 Lee Dixon. He wanted the the amateur podcasters, so I'm surprised that you have. Uh, that you've joined us, but I'm glad. <laughs> Dean, what's going on, buddy? Not much. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm, I'm just contemplating whether to open my first can of Red Bull or not. That's, I'm holding off as long as I possibly can. But that's uh, Yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. You got a like, question for Chris? So, yeah. So, um, a lot. I'm not going to go full Madison, but a lot has been about that <laughs> central kind of, you know, attacking mid type of player, uh, I think. Where, where, where our attack, at least, is kind of um, the weakest is on the left side. You know, we've been playing a bumming there. He hasn't been performing like I think most of us would expect him to or want him to. Um, why do you think that the team really hasn't been looking at more of a truer left-sided player? Is that more of they think Smith Rowe can fill in there? Or um, I'll tell you just kind of what my – I guess pipe dream would be is something like a Raheem Sterling, something like that, who has a relationship with Arteta, who has the track record um, at City. If they do go in and, and try to get Kane, somebody like that, they're probably going to have to sell someone. I know Silva's kind of been the name floated in, in Mara's, but I think to, to even out our attack, the true left-sided player is, is something we should be looking at. But I don't really hear a lot of names coming up. It's a good question, Dana. I mean, just because it hasn't been reported, I'd doesn't mean Arsenal aren't looking at uh, that kind of positional player. But I personally haven't heard anything on a left-sided player coming in. I think Gabriel Martinelli is one player who can also play on the left-hand side. And we, we kind of forget about him. You know, he's just come back um, from the Olympics with a, a gold medal around his neck. He's, for me, is going to be one of the, the biggest players next season if he gets game time. Because we know last season there was that um, kind of desperation to see him play week in, week out. He just didn't get the minutes that he would have liked. Um, but I think he's certainly one of the players who can play on the left-hand side. I think Mikel Arteta ideally sees him long-term as a number nine or playing in that kind of central area. Um, we know he's been working on his kind of shooting as well in training, doing individual sessions, um, kind of preparing himself for that. So I think, yeah, he's one player who can play on the left-hand side. Um, and clearly, Orba, for me, he's not... You don't get the best out of Aubameyang on the left-hand side. But Mikel Arteta continues to play him there. So look, I think it's um, it's a it's a tough question to answer. But I think Arsenal do have options there, um, and I think Martinelli may be um, one of those. I'm a big Martinelli fan as well. I think anytime I've seen him play, even you know during the Olympics with Brazil, he's come on. He's made an impact. My only, I guess, concern with that is if you're running, uh, you know, a three of Saka, ESR, Martinelli. It's really young. Not that they're not talented and proven, but that's a really young, you know, attack. Ver- you know, with either then assuming a Bumyang or or Lacazette up front. Um, so I'd yeah, rather that, have that. a good attack than a, than an experienced attack. To be honest with you, if I had to choose between the two, I mean, their youth doesn't scare me as much as it would have maybe a few years ago. Because I mean, the effort that they're putting in is phenomenal. I'd love to see them get more playing time. I'm I'm a Martinelli. Martinelli-ack or whatever we want to call us because I, I just think he's got that passion and, and the physicality. and I mean, he's well beyond his years. And, you know, except for when he when he gets, like, 
a little bit hurt and cries. Um, but you know, look, I, I've never been in that situation, so I'm not gonna not gonna mock. But like, yeah, I mean, he just seems like a guy who who I want to see in this team for the next six or seven seasons. And um, and he's said and done all the right stuff to not really rock the boat with his lack of playing time last season. This has to be the year where he breaks in, though. And will it be at Aubameyang's expense, Chris? I mean, I, I would like that only because I would like to know that Aubameyang isn't an automatic name on the team sheet when he's struggling. I don't think he's an automatic name. I think there were games last season where he was... Um... He was dropped, and Mikel Arteta as well. I remember for that Tottenham game where he he didn't play at all because he was late for um, for the team meeting. Um, I think Mikel Arteta treats each player well. Actually, I can't say that because then people are going to bring up Willian. So um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough one. But look, I think if Aubameyang is not playing on form, then he's not going to play. It's as simple as that. Um, I would like to think that would be the case, not just for Obama, but for everybody. I mean, I, I exactly. it, yeah. and it didn't feel that way, really, in the at least in the first half of the season. It didn't feel like merit was driving the situation. Mm. It felt like pre, you know, preconceived notions or experience was driving it. And and as a young coach, inexperienced coach uh, in the Premier League, learning on the job, I would hope that that's something that we don't see signs of in the early part of this season as well. And yeah. based on the starting 11 against Tottenham and Chelsea, I'm not so sure that we've seen that change. Uh, but, you know, that's why the season is still yet to be played. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you think, Chris, that um, we're potentially waiting on dominoes to fall? Say, for example, um, we're being linked with the likes of, of Erdegaard and, and James Madison, but... To me, it seems like we could potentially see things start to move if if this Joe Willock deal to Newcastle is completed. Uh, is is that the feeling or the news that you're getting that uh, Arsenal are really sort of potentially waiting on sales before starting to complete any more business? Yeah, I think it's a good point you make. I think it's a mixture of both. Like clearly, clearly they need to sell players. There's off the top of my head probably four or five players who probably don't have a future at Arsenal and should be kind of leaving soon. But it's going to be difficult to get those players out. I know people were kind of quote-tweeting the um, the overhaul article that I wrote um, at the end of last season, which was kind of confirmed by Mikel Arteta as well when he said it's going to be an unprecedented summer in terms of outgoings and incomings. Um, it hasn't happened, but it hasn't happened for a reason. Um, most other clubs in Europe have also struggled to get rid of players. I think it's been said many times, but you look at Chelsea, they still have Baba Raman and Danny Drinkwater on their books. You know, these are players who are not going to get into the Chelsea team at all. Um, but there's no bias. They still have Dennis Wise on their books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Arsenal still have someone like Seted Kalasinac on their books. And, you know, speaking to Kalasinac's people, they... Uh, they're pretty tight-lipped, but you know, there's been no talk of a contract termination from what I've been told. Um, and I think that's because he still has a year left. Um, we know that Socrates and Ozil, they, or Socrates and Mustafi had their contracts terminated in uh, January. And I think that was um, a sign that Arsenal were pretty ruthless, but also desperate. I think they were desperate to get those players off the books. So, look, I think we might see a repeat of that if Kalasinac is forced to stay. But Arsenal are trying to find clubs for these guys. And when you finished eighth last season and you've you've struggled over the past few years, 
your fringe players aren't going to be attractive to to clubs in Europe who are trying to strengthen their teams. They're not just going to say, "Oh, he's an Arsenal player." So we, yeah, we we're not holding play. all the cards here. We're, I, mean, it, exactly. I, I was saying in a recent podcast that you know if you don't know who the sucker is at the poker table, then then you're the sucker, and and that's been <laughs> Arsenal's role for the last few years. Except I think we do know that that's who we are. Dean, but, anything uh, else for Chris uh, before we let you go? Uh, no, no, that's good. I, you know, the, the left side is, I guess, what's kind of, you know, on my mind. I, I don't hear a lot of talk about it. So, you know, it seems more of the Od- uh, Odegaard and Madison's of central type players. But, you know, like I said, I, I wish we could really have someone on the left there to, to take that over and, and fill in for Aubameyang. Well, we, we will see this season. Dean, thanks for joining us. Thank you for your support. Uh, hopefully we'll see you a little bit later on when, when your uh, your podcasting heroes are, are on with us. Uh, it's always going to be uh, a fun time. So, Dean, take care. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Bye. So, Chris, on the on the Mikel Arteta situation, I mean, you, you're in, you know, whether it's virtual or, or in person, you're, you know, you're able to put the – the audible, the audio, the the visuals of, of Arteta with the words. I mean, you know, in, in the sense of seeing really whether he is conviction in what he's saying or whether he's just going through the motions. And, you know, we, we've seen that with a lot of players where if you read what he said, it sounds great or it sounds awful. But if you saw what he, he said or how he said it, you gain more perspective on it. it. It really sounded at the end of last season as though he was coming into a situation where he was pushing his power a bit. Um, you know, kind of saying, I know the ownership knows that this is what needs to be done and we're going to do it. And it was pretty encouraging to hear. And I think maybe over the last three or four months, that's kind of, you're starting to at least read some things from him that sound like, like classic Arsene Wenger. Like if we see somebody that we're you know able to improve upon, we'll, we'll move. We're going to make the best of what we have. I mean, it's a, it's like a total 180. Is, it, am I reading too much into this, or are you seeing that maybe he's uh, not not been cuckolded a bit, but like he's been put down a couple of pegs in his you know aggressiveness to try to to speak for for ownership? It's a really good question. And before I answer it, I'm just laughing at that comment that says I, I'm shocked that Kalasenac has people. From- yeah, I was <laughs> laughing at that. That's my native, my native Dublin Gunner, absolute legend. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, and John, yeah, thank you, yeah, uh, Dublin Gunner John. Thank you for your generous donation as well. I hope I'm rooting for you in the raffle. So sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, Mikel Arteta. He was quite brisk as well in some of his press conferences towards the end of last season. There was the game, uh, the press conference after the Chelsea game where he was really angry about being misquoted. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and he I wasn't misquoted, was he? <laughs> it was a difficult one. Like, I, I think maybe misinterpreted or... Look, I think he was just frustrated because, you know, it's a 24-7 job. Um, the coverage is non-stop. I think it must be pretty intense for a football manager or football player, um, unless you take yourself off social media completely. I know Mikel Arteta... <laughs> says he doesn't check social media and stuff like that so but look, i think um i think he has full support from from the owners because that's what he's repeatedly said i know people are going to say well you know he's employed by them so he has to say that but i think we've seen last summer the summer before arsenal have money to spend they have invested in the team and um, the question this summer is you know why has it been a case of uh, having to wait so late uh, I think, as we've already said, it's not just Arsenal, it's many other teams as well. I think you, can, you can't really compare to the likes of Manchester City who are spending £100 million on, on Jack Grealish, 
PSG have just signed Messi. Um, you know, some Not crazy. Free, but but they're giving him ninety thousand million quadrillion uh, pounds a week. So yeah, but a huge contract. And look, I think you can't compare Arsenal to these kind of teams. Like I know they have a billionaire owner, but they work very or they operate very differently to these teams. I think Mikel Arteta is um, is in a tough position and. Look, he has a, a big job on his hands because if Arsenal don't get the players that they need in time um, before the end of the window, then he's gonna he's gonna struggle because you look at the the way the team finished last season. I think, look, in terms of form, they finished well, they finished strong, and the, in the form table, they look good. But finishing with the same squad, pretty much potentially extending uh, Bellerin's deal as well. I, I don't think he's been offered a deal yet, but you know these kind of players still staying at the club. Um, I think question marks will remain uh, if the results are the same. Extending deals to protect transfer value is something we've always been poor about. And, you know, now we see it happening with Xhaka and that sort of thing. But extending those deals and then just going back to relying on the same people on the pitch that have shown that they don't have it for Arsenal is something that I think Mikel Arteta does. It'll make or break his his time at Arsenal because – you know, let's say he doesn't get the support that we know that he's needed. Is that his fault? Is it, you know, people blame him for not, you know, not demanding more, whatever the case may be. But, but you know, even last season, we saw him gradually kind of forcibly move to tactics that the average, you know, 16-year-old on Twitter was calling for earlier in the season. Um, and, you know, and, and with great success. So it's almost like, you know, if we see it, how come you don't see it? He's been probably the guy who's getting in his own way the most. Other than that, uh, I don't think our talent is is eighth-place talent. I think our talent is, you know, fourth or fifth-place talent, but it's just we, we got in our own way until the second half of the season. So I guess what I'm trying to say is he could he could be under-supported from management and start the, the season with the exact squad that we have now and still come out looking good if he shows signs of having learned from what what didn't didn't work in the past. Is that is that fair to say, or or will it just really come down to the fact that he wasn't supported? I think, mean, in terms of the fan minute opinion, question, I, sorry about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's a good question. It's it's a tough question to answer, but like I think, in terms of like fan opinion and and fan influence as well. Like, I remember Arsene Wenger years ago saying one day that fans are going to be able to kind of choose which players are on the substitutes bench or they can actually choose the team. Like that was his kind of vision, like in a few years time. And that wasn't in a positive way, right? He was like, this is, this <laughs> is all that like, we have in front of us. <laughs> yeah. And you look at the, um, the crypto partnership that Arsenal have done and other Premier League clubs are actually doing now. You look at that kind of thing where the fans can choose like the kind of music as well. You can you can imagine in a few years' time that Wenger's prophecy is going to become true, um, mm. because um, nowadays, like like I said with the Ramsdale thing, the reaction was so so negative. Um, like uh, I don't think I've seen such. Does a that affect reaction. the club's plan? Do they, do, are they like, whoa, maybe we should give second thoughts to this? But that, that, that's actually something I was going to ask you, ask you, Chris, because I remember when I was younger, before social social media really took off or football Twitter was even a thing, you didn't know about a player or that your club was going to sign him until it showed up on Tally Text or, or, or on Sky News. And, 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 and like, 
Patrick Vieira arriving at I have no idea who he was at that time, you know, but now everybody is an armchair critic and everybody's an expert and people have judgments casted before people arrive. Like like when Dennis Bergkamp arrived at Arsenal, he was relatively criticised before making the move to Arsenal as an underperformer. Do you think that that football or football Twitter, Twitter in general or, or social media in general has had a negative impact in the way that the, the business as, as a model actually operate on a day-to-day basis? It's difficult to say because I'm not I'm not in in the business like in that kind of sense in terms of um, like an agent or whatever like but speaking to to agents and people in the game, I think it certainly has a negative impact on on certain aspects like players for example like I, I know some players who switched off all their kind of notifications uh, and just won't check social media before or after a game because it affects them mentally. I think Hector Bellerin has actually spoken about that before as well. Um, and yeah, I think it does have a, it certainly has an influence as well. Like I, I saw Edu did an interview recently where, oh, sorry, Edu's son did an interview yeah. um, recently where he said that his um, dad does see um, what the Arsenal fans are saying on social media, which I thought was quite interesting. But we we, we would know that because Edu has a presence on social media. I don't know how many technical directors actually are on Instagram, at least so publicly like he is. Um, so he certainly has a sense of what the fans are saying and what they like and what they don't like. But wh- how does much he, of it does he sense that they don't like him posting vacation pictures during transfer windows? I mean, fair or not, I'm just saying. I mean, clearly he doesn't he doesn't care, and uh, that, you know, he's, he's within his own right to to do so. Like, uh, God forbid you take a break. Wenger used to be lounging <laughs> on the beach, uh, like the day before the transfer window closed, and, and people would go absolutely crazy, and that was like six years ago. But it, 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 people want to be so, and, and it's funny, Chris, you mentioned there the the. I'm not sure the right name for it. You, you, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but basically the Arsenal cryptocurrency um, that, that that fans now have access to. It's a bit of a sort of uh, it's a bit of a confusing one for me personally, and, uh, and I'd like to get both your opinions on this. But is it right morally for the club to exploit? And this is only my chain of thought. Um, is it morally right for the club to exploit the fan base's desire to be involved with the club and make it a profitable scheme, rather than than this just being some sort of uh, gesture of interaction that they could throw out there for for nothing? I think yeah, I think Arsenal have struggled like other team, many other teams commercially over the past few years. Obviously, the pandemic, you know, has brought its own challenges. But in terms of commercial deals, um, I think a lot of the deals have expired. So there's a clear need for Arsenal to renew uh, to make new commercial deals. Um, and whether that means like selling their soul or whether or not you kind of agree with the, the crypto stuff, like I'm not, I'm certainly not like an expert. Or have like any big insight on crypto? Um, I know some people see it as like a form of gambling. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, an opinion which some might disagree with. But look, I think it's a it's a good question. I know that Arsenal are working on more commercial deals, but they also made a lot of redundancies in their commercial department. I know a lot of them, a lot of commercial people left Arsenal as well over the past um, year and a half. So. Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, what do you guys think about the, the crypto thing? I, I'm, I'm sure you know more than me on that. I, I wouldn't be so sure about that. You know, I 
I'm an early adopter to a lot of things, but crypto just, I mean, I, it, it, it drives me crazy. Like, how do you mine Bitcoin? Like, 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 no, uh, but the, 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 you built the I, computer I, so that you could mine Bitcoin. I'm like, I'm, I'm <laughs> trading stocks and options. I'm very familiar with, with, you know, derivatives and, and, and equities and stuff, but, but, Bitcoin but the, has always the, just I, been a bit too shady for me. I think this is my fault for for phrasing that question wrong because it, it isn't really crypto. There's no there's no um, it's not a, it's not a, there's not no a, there's no potential for it to, to grow or to decline. You're basically purchasing tokens in a sense. Okay, um, so so it's tokens. It's not a publicly traded commodity or yeah. But or, the more uh, tokens you purchase, the more voting power essentially you have. If I'm correct, it could be wrong. Well, they um, used to do that, but they called it shares of stock. Uh, in mm -hmm. the club, and then they stopped doing that. So now they're like, now they're share. They're basically selling like voting shares that aren't ownership shares. So you don't participate in the profits or losses, but you can buy influence in the club. I, I think that's I think that's pretty shady. Actually, I I, I don't love that. Um, you know, turn on the Triple H music at halftime. Time to play the game. Just put a fucking poll out. Everybody will vote for that. Don't be making people spend. Here, here's my yeah, a poll my, would be fine for that. Here's my know. objection to it morally. Okay, and, and um, I, I could be I could be going off on one here for no reason at all. I think that there's a lot of vulnerable people, especially people who get obsessed with stuff. And I think that when you when you when you cast out a fishing net to try and catch vulnerable people to make a financial gain out of, of something that they love and obsess about, I think that you're exploiting people there. And I think that for 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 how much this could actually profit Arsenal in terms of income in comparison to other deals, I think that there's a big difference in taking money off Fly Emirates to stick on the front of your jersey and the difference in taking off Davy, who loves going down to watch Arsenal in the pub and drinking a few pints with his mates. There's a big difference for me in that, and that's where I think there's moral exploitation of people here. I'm a little more free market. Uh, you know, I'm like if there's and, – and I've said this about podcasts that I don't like. I've said this about a lot of things. I'm like, you know, the free market determines whether something has value or not. So – you know, who am I to say that a certain podcaster shouldn't have 10,000 or 50,000 subs? Clearly, they're doing something that their market likes and who? it supports. Who? Name, I, name some names. No, yeah, we're not naming some names, but the guy paid a certain uh, guy to come on their podcast. And and, and, and we talked about 14 or 15-year-olds on Twitter. That's that's their Sorry, Let's just be clear. You have basically, it doesn't matter. Go on ahead. Sorry. <laughs> and and. and I lost a bet and I had to order a T-shirt from his merch shop. And a, month, a month on from actually spending the money on that, there's been not a peep about when it's going to be shipped, and I'm fine. I'd rather just lose the money. But anyway, um, aside from that, I, you know, if someone wants to buy something and there's enough people to support it, then fine. So I don't look at it so much as taking advantage because unless they're they're promising something and not delivering it. Whether they should be doing it at all is a different story. Just because you can make money on something doesn't mean you should when you are a club that has a history and morals and, and kind of a family-type feel. It, it really is monetizing desire to support the club. I wouldn't purchase influence that way. I already have enough on the club as it is. No, um, I, I wouldn't try to but, purchase but, influence but that even way. But we can, we can move on to the, just the uh, the monopoly of Arsenal as a football club. Chris, I've I seen a thing, and maybe I'm not sure whether you have seen anything regarding this yourself today, but I've I seen we're out of Europe completely this season, and yet we still have the highest season ticket prices in the country. 
like like that you know what I mean like like for a club who are are feeling the delivering the pitch they're still in, they're still demanding top dollar for for what we're seeing and you know uh, yeah I think my my answer to that is again you're coming with the tough questions today. Um, <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> oh, I can think of some other tough questions, but you wouldn't appreciate me asking you them, so I'm going to keep those on. Um, no, I think my answer to that would be uh, it's the most expensive because the demand is there. Mm-hmm. I think that the waiting list is still... Um, I mean, I haven't checked with the club how, how big the waiting list is, but last time, it, I think it was thousands. Um, mm-hmm. People... People still want to come and watch Arsenal, believe it or not, despite um, the form of the past few years. Um, obviously, the, the location helps a lot because that means you, you're you always going to be guaranteed people who want to come and watch Arsenal uh, consistently. So I think, in short, it's expensive because the demand is there. Otherwise, the prices would be, go, be going right down. I don't think it's connected to form, um, not being in Europe. Although I know they did freeze, I think they did freeze ticket prices for the upcoming season. So, um, yeah, a tough question, but I think yeah. that would be my answer. Yeah, it's a funny one as well because I'm sure that, uh, that just looking around the football landscape in general, and and it was just a comment that came into the live chat that put me onto this now. With with this, <laughs> the apparent fall of Barcelona, Real Madrid seem to be struggling at the minute financially too. A lot of the Italian giants are, are strapped for cash too. Do you think there's a lot of people in the football world now that are maybe looking, looking about and regretting the decision to cast aside the European Super League, especially a club like Arsenal who have, who have finished outside those European places and seemingly, seemingly are struggling financially as well? I can still see the Super League happening in in a different form um, mm-hmm. in a few years' time. I, was I was there changes to the Champions League format too? That the, there was, and although I don't think we have to worry about that for <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years at least. And I think, yeah, look, it's uh, the Super League was a uh, absolute. I'm trying to think of the the polite words. I was going to swear. It's an absolute. <laughs> A bit of shit show, Cluster, yeah. Cluster F, straight, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I think F. in terms of Florentino Perez, we know that he's not going to give up on that idea, and mm-hmm. Perez is still one of the most powerful people in football. I think probably Arsenal, Arsenal's kind of stance on that was that they were kind of dragged along, that they they wanted to be part of it because everyone else was a part of it, which Seems I'm not like so everybody sure. said that though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think my son said that when I caught him doing something at that age twelve, and I mean that that a football team doesn't get to use that as an excuse. <laughs> yes, yeah, a, a bit of a, a flimsy excuse, but look, yeah, I think it will come back in a, in a different form in a few years. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of um, clandestine meetings, you know, in hotels over the next few years. They're going to be planning something. Um, I mean. There's so much money in elite football, in those elite teams right now, like the teams we spoke about, the PSGs, the Chelsea's. The money is endless. Manchester City, is it's endless. So I think there will be a way, uh, I think there will be a, a, some kind of Super League format in the near future, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll just be called like the Duper League or something like that. I mean, because apparently the clubs have to pay, like they have to give their firstborn children and 50 billion quid if they... If they end up joining the Super League, but the but the Super Duper League is a completely different story. So, um, here's what we're going to do with our remaining time. Uh, we've got some great, you know, that, we've had some great questions, Chris. I appreciate you uh, 
spending the time with us. We're going to do a draw. We're going to ask you for your uh, for your top four, bottom three, and 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 your Arsenal finishing position. Um, and uh, and then we're going to finish off the hour playing a video of uh, of of our experience in Orlando. Uh, Chris, as you know, we talked about this offline. Uh, you know, the club was coming to Orlando. You were coming to Orlando. You were the one of the the, the UK based press that I, that was coming over that I knew about. And uh, I, was had, only, I was the only one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I talked to to everyone else, and they're like, "Now we're not sending anybody over." And now they look pretty smart. But but yeah, you were going to be there. I had beers out on the on the on the bar waiting for uh, for some pints, and it never happened. I still went, and the reason I went was because partying with other gooners who have nothing better to do because the team isn't there anymore is, is really, really a good time. And, and I didn't regret it. We raised some good money for charity. We, uh, we got some good stories. I did some interviews and I've looped them into a video. Uh, it's, it's maybe 20, 20, 25 minutes or so. So we're going to kind of take the last five or 10 minutes of this hour and the first 10 minutes of the next hour and play that video. Uh, I hope that you'll stay tuned in if you're in the chat, but um, before we do that, uh, let's get an update on how we're doing on the fundraising goal. We are at dun, dun, dun. Where are we? yeah, we are at three thousand seven hundred and forty dollars of our five thousand uh, dollar potathon goal. Seventy four percent, amazing showing from everybody so far, and there's still about sixteen draws left. So get your money in. Uh, we'll be drawing more stuff, especially as we get into tomorrow. The, there's some really, really great stuff that we're going to be drawing for, uh, and more top guests as we started off with. So, uh, so with no further ado, our next prize draw is for a Ruth Beck art print. If you know what this is, then you know what this is. This is a very understated, straightforward print of the Invincibles Premier League trophy. The simplicity is what makes it so beautiful. I actually really like that. It is. I mean, you know, not I mean, the, the the beauty in this picture is is the colorful and the memories that it brings back. The beauty in this picture is the simplicity, and it really is nice. And that's the one we're giving away this hour to a lucky winner. Now, if you were watching our, in our first two hours, our first two prize draw winners were the same person. And I use a randomizer that completely randomizes everybody. It gives proper weighting to the number of entries that you have. If you donate more, you have more entries. I can confirm for you that it was just a coincidence because I've run a number of private of, of just like practice draws on my own and it's been different people each time. So if that person wins again, if, if uh, Kashal wins again, it's, it is one of the more statistically unlikely things I've ever seen, but you know, I don't control it. So, so Chris, uh, I hope you'll stay with us while we give this away. Um, yeah. The, Drawing for the Ruth Beck art print of the golden trophy. Let's share the screen so we can all see the winner live. And we have cameras in each of our donors' houses to show their reaction live. <laughs> um, they don't know that yet. So, all right. The winner of the Ruth Beck art trophy print Steve Manios. All right, we have somebody different. And Steve, as we know, came in with a massive uh, donation. And, and this is Steve Manios's weight is not for this, isn't his actual weight. That's the number of tickets that he has. <laughs> um, that's my actual weight. That is not Steve Manios's actual weight. So, uh, so congratulations to Steve. Uh, 
Steve's a great guy, massive, massive gooner, and and it, as far as his his uh, love for the team is concerned. Um, and uh, congratulations to Steve. If you guys, if you haven't donated yet and you'd like to, please go to GoonersVCancer.com. Uh, we're raising money straight through to 7 p.m. UK tomorrow. That's 2 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. Um, Chris, top four for this season. Who are you thinking? Top four. Um, I think it's going to be tough to get top four, but um, well, no, I'm saying who do you who do you envision being the top four? Oh, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> in terms of Arsenal getting top four, I think it's going to be tough. Um, I think City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Um, and uh, possibly Spurs. Ooh. Mm. Over United. Yeah, we, we... But I, I think if Spurs keep on, keep a hold of Harry Kane, um, I mean, it doesn't look for certain that he's going to be joining City at the moment. I think they will have a good chance. But yeah, between United and uh, and Spurs. Maybe I should have said United instead. <laughs> you, you say what you think. Look, because so far, if, if Spurs end up finishing fourth, you'll be upset. But then you can you can basically point back to the Gooners podcast-a-thon for Gooners versus Cancer, where you actually predicted it and push your chest out. Um, bottom three, who are you thinking? Um, it, it doesn't have to be in any particular order, but who, who do you think is going down this year? It's a good question. I think I have to look at the, the table, to be honest, to even... Um, Popular and, choices have been Crystal Palace, Norwich, um, Watford. Yeah, I mean, Watford. The, the, I guess the, the the better question, the more interesting question is, you know, teams that have been up for a handful of years that aren't just you know boomeranging back and forth. Uh, anybody that you see really under threat this season to go down? Yeah, Burnley. I think Burnley might go down this year. I think after. But to be fair, that they've been a success story in the Premier League without spending much money at all. Um, so I think Burnley, Palace, um, possibly Watford, but I think Watford, they've spent quite well in the window. So, yeah. Okay, excellent. So, uh, so Chris, before we, uh, before we move over to the video, any, um, anything else you want to get out there? Um, I, I, again, it was nice breaking some news with you on the, uh, on the Carabao Cup second round. Um, What's what's coming up soon uh, besides the obvious, which is uh, probably a presser tomorrow with Mikel Arteta and uh, and and the yeah. game on Thursday. On yes. Friday? Other than that, um, look, I think that the transfer window is going crazy. I've just seen um, James McNicholas come out with a line that the Ramsdale transfer is broken down. So I think, yeah, we're going to see a lot of these kind of things um, over the next few weeks i think and the arsenal supporters rejoice <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people will be happy if that comes to if that doesn't come to fruition we will uh, find more well, yeah we f- we'll find more about that from james uh tomorrow morning when when he's on um yeah the, the, i figured hopefully there'll be some big news that breaks during the podathon because there really hadn't been for a couple of days and we can uh we can get more content because honestly, I don't have enough to, to go for 24 hours, but Chris, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm truly uh, sorry that we didn't get a chance to, to, to have us have some pints down in, in, in ridiculously beastly hot Orlando uh, home of COVID. Uh, but, <laughs> but I made it out alive and, and I'll be over in London soon. And if the, if the team ever comes to the U S I'll, I'll be happy to host you for, uh, for a night at the bar. Yeah. would be amazing. Um, and by the way, guys, well done for doing this. I think it's fantastic, brilliant cause. 
and um yeah um keep it up and i hope you uh get the cans of red bull in uh, thanks oh, yeah. oh, oh and he, was, he was talking to me he wasn't talking to you uh, i've already i have one down i'm already one down yeah, the, the, the amount of urination that's going to be happening in the overnight portion of this podcast is, is going to be something to watch. But uh, so far, to go. Four, four hours in, I'm, I'm doing surprisingly well. So in any case, uh, enough about that. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, have a great afternoon, great evening, and uh, looking forward to hearing more from you throughout the season. Cheers, guys. Take care. All right. Bye. Cheers, Chris.